Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I was riveted to the screen. It was not a big screen. It was uh, it was well, it was a big box. Y'all remember the old console TVs? We had one of those. It was wrapped in wood. It took up half the room. There was no remote control other than me. My, my parents would say, go change the channel. And I would get up and pick one of the three or four channels that we would receive. And that was our experience, right? But I was riveted to the screen. I can't forget it. It is burned into my memory. I don't remember a lot of the dramatic TV shows from my, my youth, but this one I can remember vividly. It was sometime around 1976. I was about eight years old, and this show came on. The plot was this. There was a young man played by somebody you will recognize. His name was, is John Travolta. Now, he's not the John Travolta you know now, the bald one. He was, the, he was like the, the, the guy on Welcome Back, Carter. He had the long, see, some of y'all don't even know that, but he had the long, curly hair. And he played this young man. He was, he was a, a young man that was born with uh, no immune system. And so I'll see some of you, the old folks in the room went, oh, yeah, I, I remember. So, so he had no immune system, so he was extremely vulnerable to all germs and all diseases. And so they came up uh, to, to, with a solution because of this situation, this illness. If he had been exposed to any germs, it would kill him. So they came up with this dramatic and kind of over-the-top solution. And by the way, this was based on a true story. Uh, they constructed a plastic bubble, and he lived his life entirely in a plastic bubble. I don't remember all the scenes. The, the main scene I remember is when they took him to school and he was outside sitting on the lawn. It, well, not on the lawn. He was in a plastic bubble and this beautiful young lady that he'd kind of fallen for is reaching over and touching the bubble. And uh, it, it, Man, it was, it was a tearjerker. And, um, and uh, so the movie chronicled this young man's desperation to exit the bubble and experience life outside this pocket of safety. Now, I, maybe I shouldn't run. I, how many of you are actually? No, y'all are not going to go look this movie up. Yeah, it's bad now. But but they constructed this spacesuit thing, and he was finally able to leave his bubble. His desperation caused him to become increasingly dissatisfied with life, confined by this secure and sterile environment. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? So I want to submit to you this morning that I think that th th this movie is a depiction of the church. And most of us as Christians only in reverse. Th th this is what I submit to you this morning. I, I submit to you that this boy was trying to desperately escape from his bubble, and most of us are desperately trying to escape to a bubble. Th therefore, what happens is our plastic bubble is complete with Christian friends, Christian culture, Christian clothes, Christianese, 
Because we can talk and nobody can even, even understand what we're talking about. If we really get into it, we go out, we, if we were to carry the language that we use most of the time in here together into the environment that we work in, they would look at us like we're freaks because it makes no sense to them. Are you washed in the blood? What? Are y'all weird? Or, um, you got to eat the flesh. What? Are you crazy? What in the world? Okay, so, so we've got all this completion. It's a bubble in our, in our desperation to escape. We forget that we've not only been called, but we've been commissioned and equipped to live outside the confines and the restrictions of a safe, secure, and sterile environment. In fact, we have been called to be bubble busters. All right, now, so let me just tell you that uh, the fact that Christians live inside a bubble can be verified. Let me just validate that for you just for a moment. Let me just, if, if you'll just give me a second, let me just prove it. Did you know that right now the latest statistics show us that 75% of regular church attenders, that's you, uh, that, that's me, that's those of us that come in here. I know the, 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 um, the, uh, the standard by which we're considered regular has changed over the years because regular used to be every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday morning. If you attended all those, then you were regular. Now we consider you regular, uh, at least the world, the, the, the Christian world we know is if you get here two out of four weeks, you're considered regular. So, so if you're here on that consistency of a basis, then you are regular. Did you know that 75% of regular church attenders do not believe that it is even important to share your faith? Let that sink in. 75%. Then you discover that on once the average person becomes a believer in Christ, he or she loses contact with all unbelieving friends within two years. Within two years of you saying yes to Jesus, most of us break off all contact, have no further entrance or influence into the lives of those that don't know Jesus as their Savior. And you say, well, that's not true. Okay, then let me just get it really down to where we are. Three times a year, usually three times a year, sometimes two times a year, especially at Easter and Christmas, but also for us in the fall, we do what we call waves. They're, they're series, they're big, uh, big promotional type events where we try to help you be equipped and have the opportunity to invite people to join you at Passion so that they can hear the gospel message and hopefully move off of your mover's card into a relationship with Christ. As part of that, what we do is we provide, and we're going to do this again in a few weeks leading up to August 29th, which we're calling game day. We will offer you, we'll put it in every seat so that you can't ignore it, but some of you do. We, we put it in your seat, and we'll take a moment in the service and ask you to write down five names of people that you know that don't know Jesus that you will commit to praying that they will come to a salvation, saving knowledge of Christ. Because you are going to use the opportunities built around these series to invite them to join you. Five people. Five names. And can I tell you that on average, I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. On average, less than half of you participate. You can't even write down five people that you know that you have influence over. That you could possibly make an invitation and get them to join you to come to church. Oh, now you come and enjoy, and you come participate, and you like the big events, but you don't have five people you can bring with you. We are bubbled. We are inside a bubble, and we like it here. 
Um, so, so can I just tell you, we learned this practice of bubbling from pros. Let me show you. This is an extended passage of Scripture. I don't normally read this, this extensive passage of Scripture, but I think it's important for us to see it this morning to recognize that maybe we learned this and failed to realize that we've all, we should also learn from them that this can change. All right, so, so join me in Acts chapter 10 because the Pentecostals like Acts, so we're going we're gonna to go to Acts. So, so we think everything's right there in Acts, and it is. So let's see what happens. Acts chapter 10 beginning in verse 9 down through verse 35 and then verse 44 through 38. The next day around noon, as Cornelius' men were approaching Joppa, Peter went up to the flat roof of the house to pray. He was hungry and wanted to eat, but while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance and entered into another realm. And as the heavenly realm opened up, he saw something resembling a large linen tablecloth that descended from above, being let down to the earth by its four corners. As it floated down, he saw that it held many kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, and wild birds. A voice said to him, Peter, go and prepare them to be eaten. Peter replied, there's no way I could do that, Lord, for I've never eaten anything forbidden or impure according to our Jewish laws. The voice spoke Again, nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. The vision was repeated three times. Then suddenly the linen sheet was snatched back up to heaven, and Peter was so stunned by the vision that he couldn't stop wondering about what all it meant. Meanwhile, Cornelius' men had learned where Peter was staying, and at the same moment were standing outside the gate. And they called out to those in the house, Is this where Simon the Rock is staying? And as Peter was in deep thought, trying to interpret the vision, the Spirit said to him, Go downstairs now, for three men are looking for you. Don't hesitate to go with them, because I have sent them. And Peter went downstairs to the men and said, I believe I'm the one you're looking for. What brings you here? And they answered, Listen, we serve Cornelius, a Roman military captain who sent us to find you. He is a devout man of the highest integrity who worships God and is respected throughout the Jewish community. He was divinely instructed through the appearance of an angel to summon you to his home and to listen to the message that you would bring him. And Peter invited them to stay for the night as his guest. And the next morning they departed accompanied by some of the believers from Joppa. And the next day when they arrived in Caesarea where Cornelius was waiting anxiously for them and had gathered together all his relatives and close friends, the moment Peter walked into door, Cornelius fell at his feet to worship him, but Peter pulled him to his feet and said, stand up, for I'm only a man and no different from you. And they talked together and then went inside where Peter found a large gathering waiting to hear his words. And Peter said to them, you all know that it is against, listen, it is against the Jewish laws for me to associate with or even visit the home of one of you who is not a Jew. Yet God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or ritually unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without objection. Now may I ask you why you sent for me? And Cornelius replied, four days ago I was fasting and praying here in my home. At this very hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, when a man glistening in glistening clothing suddenly appeared in front of my eyes. And he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. Your generosity to the poor has been recorded and remembered in God's presence. However, you must send for a man named Simon the Rock, who is staying in Joppa, as a guest of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So immediately I sent my men to bring you here. And you were kind enough to come. And now, here we are, all of us in God's presence, anxious 
to hear the message that God has put into your heart to share with us. And Peter said, now I know for certain that God doesn't show favoritism with people, but treats everyone on the same basis. It makes no difference what race of people one belongs to. If they show deep reverence for God and are committed to doing what's right, they are acceptable before him. Verse 44, while Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit cascaded over all those listening to his message. And the Jewish brothers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on people who weren't Jews, for they heard them speaking in supernaturally given languages and passionately praising God. And Peter said, how could anyone object to these people being baptized, for they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he instructed them to be baptized in the power of the name of Jesus, the anointed one. Long passage. But I'm thankful this morning that God intervened in the life of Peter who was bubbled and sent him to bring the gospel message to the Gentiles. You say, well, why should I care about that? Because if he had not done that, there's a good chance you wouldn't be bubbled up here in Passion Church right now because it would have been, it would have been off limits to us because we're not Jews. So let me point out some things. There are a couple things we need to notice here. I want you to understand first that we need to understand that bubbles are busted by recognition. You need to understand. You must come to the recognition, an understanding, a realization that you are, in fact, bubbled. Okay. So let me, let, me, let me show you something equally important to notice. I want you to notice. Check this out. See if this sounds like some of us. Peter was actively practicing his faith in Jesus. Am I right? Are y'all still here? I mean, we had a good worship service, but y'all still here? Okay. He was actively practicing his faith in Jesus. He was fasting. He was praying. He was seeing visions. He was pursuing God. He was doing, he, he was going deeper spiritually. He was laser focused on Jesus, but he was also bubbled. He was, he was on a spiritual island, if you will. He was only interacting, only having relationship with the same group, the same race that had the same belief system that he had. I want you to notice that because we've got to come to this recognition and understanding that we're bubbled. Because I need you to understand, I don't want you to come to the conclusion that because you, that as long as you get here on Sunday, and as long as you listen to worship music in your car, and as long as you're reading your word, and as long as you're meeting uh, with regularly with like a like-minded small group, or as long as you're filled with this deep spiritual hunger, and I'm pursuing God, and I want more of God, I don't want you to come to the conclusion conclusion that at the same precise moment that you're doing all of that, that you can still, in fact, be bubbled. You can come to this, you need to come to this realization that, that we can have all that going on and still be inside a bubble and not living up to everything that Jesus wants us to live up to because until we recognize that we are in a bubble, we will never bust the bubble that we are in. I woke up to this, this fact about a year and a half ago. I realized that um, I had very little meaningful contact with anyone who didn't believe what I believed. 
I enjoy being with y'all. Let's get it. Let's not, let's not mess this up here. Y'all don't misunderstand me. I enjoy hanging out with y'all. Y'all my favorite people on the planet. I would just as well and just as I would prefer just to hang out with y'all. But what I recognized in my own life was that y'all the only people I hang out with. Y'all believe just like I believe. I struggled to fill out my mover's card with 10. I struggled to fill out the five. I'm just being honest with y'all. I had to wake up to the fact that although I am hungry for Jesus, and although I am actively pursuing him, and although I am trying to grow in my faith, and although I am doing my best, dead level best to worship him, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that when I get here on Sunday, I can really worship together because y'all are fun to worship with. I had to come to this conclusion that even though I had all of that going on, I was inside a plastic bubble. Next week, I'm going to tell you one of the steps that I took to get out of that bubble that I'm still pursuing and maybe give you some ideas of what you can do. But the first thing I need to do is get you to take stock of your own life and ask yourself, be really hard on yourself for just a moment. Be really, really truthful. Be really transparent. Nobody else knows. This is just you. You're just talking to you. Some of you just need to talk to yourself this morning. Don't do it out loud because we'll think you're weird. But, but inside of your own mind and your spirit, would you just have a conversation with yourself like I had a conversation with myself and say, Self, do you know anybody? Do you have any, any influence with anybody that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't believe like you? Are you in any kind of relationship? Is there any inroads into any unbeliever's life? Is there any interaction? Is there any, any uh, conversation taking place? Is there, are there any moments where Jesus is rubbing off the Jesus I experience in here and that I'm excited about when I go home? Is there any of that rubbing off on anybody that doesn't know Jesus? Is there anything about my relationship with Jesus that would cause them to ask questions and actually want what I have? And if the answer the honest answer, the real answer is no, then you're in a bubble like I was. And you've got to recognize that so that you are then willing to take the steps. Maybe, just maybe, God needs to show us that we are living in a safe, sterile, and an undesirable plastic bubble. And it's time to get out. The, the second thing I want you to notice is this, is that bubbles are busted by obedience. I want you to notice what the, the passage, I know it's a lengthy passage, but would you just reflect on it a moment? Would, can, I, can I just show you that, that Acts says that when Peter was approached by these men from Cornelius' house, that he went without objection. You remember that phrase? He went without objection. I don't want you to get this twisted. I want you to recognize that Peter could have objected. In fact, we're told he gives the basis of why he could have resisted. He gives the basis, the understanding for us why he could have said, no, hey, bro, I ain't going with you. You can go get somebody else. I'm not interested. I like it here. I'm having visions here. I'm experiencing Jesus here. You're not talking to me. I'm not going with you. But it says he went without objection. I don't want you to get it messed up. He could have objected. He could have because it was this instruction from God to go with them isn't allowed. In the Christianity of that day, 
which was birthed against the Jewish backdrop, which taught them that they could only have relationship, only have interaction with Jews, only with only deal with people that are of like faith, only deal with people that, that are just like them, living in their same neighborhoods, Peter could have objected. You do recognize that this instruction to go was against religious laws. This stands in opposition, contradiction of a thousand years of at least, at least a thousand years of religious upbringing, standards, and traditions. This wasn't right. Are y'all here? Because Peter could have said this. Uh, they don't like me, and I don't like them. They're not like me, and I'm not like them. They're from a different neighborhood. They're not from my neighborhood. Come on now. He could, have, he could have even said this, uh, they won't want what I know. They are, from, they are from a different upbringing. They're from a different uh, 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 st standard of living. These are my enemies. He could have objected because it wasn't right. He could have also objected because it was dangerous. Come on now. We clean this stuff up. This was dangerous. You do recognize that, that Cornelius was a Roman military captain. So not only were there racial and cultural barriers being crossed by Peter, he was also, also literally going into enemy territory. You do understand that he enters the home of the very group of people who are occupying, oppressing, and dominating his homeland. These are not people that were invited to just come visit. These are people that military, with military might, with brutality, with swords and spears and chariots and bazookas and, and, and M15s. And I don't, they didn't have all that. But, but in that day they did. The equivalent, they overwhelmed the people of Israel and their dominant dominating them. It's like the Russians had come to America and overthrown us, and now God is telling Peter, go to a Russian neighborhood and share your faith. Can I tell you it was dangerous? It was dangerous. So, so all of these excuses that Peter could have given to object were real, and they were legitimate, but they were cast aside in obedience. Can, can I tell you this morning that you will never leave any bubbles if you don't come to the place where your response to the command of Christ is always yes. Can I submit to you this morning that I think part of our problem is that we call Jesus master when he's really only savior. Because he saves us from our sins, but if he was legitimately our master, then whatever Jesus said to do, we would, we would say, he's not only my savior, he is literally my master. And so now my response is no excuse, no negotiation, no, I, I, I don't like that, no resisting. We would go without objection. We would just say yes, because he's our master. We all have legitimate reasons why we cannot obey. Some of you are thinking about them right now. I can't obey. I can't bust my bubble. I can't do this. I can't do that. I have a legitimate reason why. The only problem is, is if your master says go, any reason that you give him that you can't becomes disobedience. Okay, I knew this was going to be tight this morning. So we've been, we haven't been together. I, I haven't been here in two weeks, so hang on. Because here's the third thing I need you to understand. Bubbles will only be busted by fighting. 
Because here's what I've discovered. You fight your way into a bubble. The only way to get out is to fight your way out. You have to fight your way out of your bubble. Let, let's stop for a second. I need to stop. I need to backtrack. I need to j- back up. I need to review um, just for you. For the, maybe, maybe you're not aware, maybe, but maybe you've forgotten. Let's just review for one moment. Let's just review uh, Peter's recent history. Think. Come on now. Think about who we're talking about. Peter. Just for a moment, think about his recent history. Because when I think about his recent history, what flashes through my mind is this. Jesus goes up into this garden, and he decides he needs to pray. And he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying, and he goes back, and his disciples are asleep, and he says, I wish you could tarry with me one hour. And, they, and he tries to stir them. They can, they, he comes back, and he prays some more, and he prays some more, and he prays some more, and he goes back, and they're asleep again. And he goes, and he prays some more, and prays some more, and then all of a sudden, um, these Roman soldiers interrupt him. Y'all remember? Do you remember who shows up on the scene? He wasn't there while Jesus was praying. He, didn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't hold the fort till Jesus comes while he was praying. He, he, he was like sleepy with all the other folks. I'm just going to give in to what everybody else is doing. We've had a long day. We've been walking long, hot roads in Jerusalem. It's all dirt, and I'm sleepy. But all of a sudden, the Romans show up to arrest Jesus, and guess who shows up on the scene? Some dude by the name of Peter. Peter was a fighter by nature. And you will remember that he tries to intervene. Y'all remember what he did? He took a sword. Yeah, and he cut a lend me an ear, had a whole new definition, a whole different meaning for Peter. He slices the ear off of a Roman soldier trying to defend Jesus. Anybody remember Peter's recent history? That's the guy we're talking about. And now, all of a sudden, I, I, he, he's minding his own business in his little plastic bubble, having church, getting his praise on, getting my, getting my chill bumps, talking to God, having visions, man, having a deep revelation of all kind of good stuff from God. And all of a sudden, Romans show up at his house. I think, I just think, y'all just let me use my imagination because I, I don't know that I'm that much like Peter, but maybe I'm more like Peter than I think I am because I, I think if, if, I'm, I, if I come down and there's Romans standing there and they say, you need to come to Cornelius' Cornelius's house uh, in a Roman neighborhood and he's a military captain, can I tell you that on our journey to Cornelius' house, I'm a little suspicious. I think maybe like, I'm checking myself. Where's my, you know, where's my piece? I got a, I, I, I got something. I, I got a concealed carry license for a dagger. Where is my dagger? My, my, my multi-clip dagger. I, where, I, I got all these, I need my bodyguards. I think maybe, maybe I'm just being set up for revenge. And yet Peter is invited to a Roman home in a Roman community by a Roman military captain. And the, the passage that I read says this, he went to them. He goes to their territory on their terms. Okay. He fights his way out of his bubble. 
Can I tell you that Peter was probably, I, I, I'm, I can conclude that Peter was probably bubbled by suspicion. I think he was bubbled by prejudice. I think he was bubbled through his, uh, he was bubbled by his own hate of these people that are occupying his homeland. And he fights through his anger because don't you dare forget that these are the people that had just murdered his Messiah. The one that he said, the one that he identifies as the very living son of God. The one that he says, you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one, the chosen one. All of my dreams are wrapped up in you. You are our salvation. You're the God of our life. You're the God that created us. We're your chosen people. That's Jesus. And these guys murdered him. Don't you think he didn't hate them? And he fights past all of that, and he goes to them on their terms. And I'm just telling you this morning to start this series off, to just give you some, some help. You, like Peter, are going to have to fight your way out of your bubble of fear and suspicion and anger and hate and prejudice if you're ever going to do what Jesus wants us to do. You, you will have to be willing to go to people that you are afraid to approach. Come on, some of you got faces going off in your head right now. People you're scared to talk to about Jesus because they intimidate you. you, you, you you're going to have to approach people you've been taught not to approach. You will have to meet them in their territory. May, may, may I remind you that our master has commanded us to go. There's an equation here. Jesus commanded us to go. I get that, uh, but... So we're, we're, we're supposed to gather what we're doing this morning, what I encourage you to do weekly by coming in here. It's part of the equation. It's the first part of the equation. We are commanded together. Get in this house. Get in here and get healed. Get in here and get hope. Get in here and get peace. Get in here and get joy. Get in here and get loved on. Get in here and get all this stuff happening that healed. All this stuff that should happen when we gather. Yes, we should gather. But that's only the first half of the equation. Because the second half of the equation is that after we've gathered and after we've been healed and after we've gained hope and after we've gained strength and after we've gained joy and after we've gained peace and after we've gained all this stuff, then the second equation is this, go. Go. Why would we go? Why I would prefer to just hang out in here and get healed and get peace and get joy. And Jesus says, no, gather and get all that and then go in the peace that you found while you're in here. Go in the strength that you gained while you're in here. Go in the joy that you've gained while you're in here. Go in the healing that you've gained while you're in here. Because if you don't go, then gathering is only half the equation. We must go. We go into places that are scary. We go into places that are different. We go where we are an outsider. And to do this, we must listen to God more than we listen to fear because fear will keep you bubbled. Can I, can I just give you, I'm going to get out of your way in just a second. Can I just help you here in a moment? We, we finally, y'all were here, most of you were here when it happened. We, we finally broached the, 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 the hurdle that we needed to, to, to get over for a Hope Center. And so sometime this year, they're, they're actively pursuing, find, trying, y'all keep praying. They're trying to find a facility that will do what we need to do in our area that would house the men. But can I tell you that, that that some of you are going to have to break out of your bubble because when some of those men and their families walk in here, they're going to scare you just a little bit. Because when somebody stands up on stage and says, it's time, we're going to curse the enemy, they may actually 
curse the enemy. They're probably going to take some breaks in between services and go outside for a little relaxation. Come on now, you know what I'm saying here. They're going to be different. They're going to look different, most of them. They're going to act different. Their story's going to be different than your story. Their upbringing's going to be different than your upbringing. The path that got them here is totally, some of y'all are like me. You've been sheltered all your little life, and, and, and you one time took a chocolate out of a bag. You weren't supposed to take it out, and that's the worst sin you've ever committed in your life. That's not their story. They are where they are because of the path they've taken, and it's going to seem odd, and it's going to seem foreign and it's going to scare you and some of you are going to have prejudice against it and some of you aren't going to be happy about it. I don't know if I want them around my kids. I don't know if I want them. Come on, bust out of your bubble. See, I, see, I understand this, that Peter was literally the answer to Cornelius' prayer. Can I ask you a simple question this morning? Whose prayer are you the answer to? There are folks outside of these walls, they don't even know they're praying. Let's get it right. They don't even know they're praying. They don't know who they're praying to. They wouldn't even call it prayer. But in the privacy of their own car, their own home, in their private moments when nobody else is around, that what they're doing is they're talking. They don't know they're praying, but they're talking. They're going, I got to have help. I don't have any hope. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm at my wit's end. My life is almost over. I wish somebody would come and help me. Can somebody, I don't even know if there's anybody up there, the man upstairs, the whatever. You, whose prayer are you the answer to? If you would simply bust your bubble and go what may seem like into foreign enemy territory, and share. Why do you think God gave you an interest into their lives in the first place? Why do you think you, he gave you interest so that, so that you could bring them the good news? What's the worst that could happen? They could discover that you're saved. They, they, they could discover that you have hope. They could discover that you've been healed. They could discover that you've been set free. What's the worst that could happen? They could reject you. They might laugh at you. They might call you one of those crazy folks down at Passion Church, one of those holy rollers. One, we don't get called that much anymore. I wish we would. Uh, I, one of those, 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 those concern, one of those crazy folks, one, one of the nutso y'all in that cult down there called Passion. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe the worst that could happen is they could find real peace. Maybe the worst that could happen is they could laugh at me. Are any of these possibilities too high of a price to pay in return for an opportunity to see them being saved? See, 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 I, I, if you want to be afraid, then let's be afraid. Let's be afraid that they might bust hell wide open if you don't go say something. If you want to have fear in your life, let, 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 let's let a little fear, a little desperation come into our life that, that, that we recognize that if, if we don't go, the person that you're so close to at work, the person that you, you prefer in your workplace, the per person that you prefer in your neighborhood, the person that you prefer, prefer on your sports team, the, the person you prefer at school could possibly bust hell wide open if you don't share. See, I, I, th I think Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear, check this out, without a preacher? Most of you sitting in this room have been in this bubble so long, you know that passage. 
How can they hear without a preacher? But we're so bubbled that what we do is we excuse ourselves from sharing our faith because we've heard this passage and we come to the conclusion we're not a preacher. Steve's the preacher. Andrew's the preacher. Austin is the preacher. Madeline is the preacher. Bob Ely's the preacher. But maybe I ought to read it to you like this. How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Can I just mess with your bubble just a moment? The word preacher in the, in the, the original language does not mean the guy with the microphone. The word preacher literally means herald, not like the guy's name, herald, herald, tell, or messenger. And can I submit to you that you may not be called to be a preacher. You may never take this microphone and put thoughts together and present them publicly in front of people on a platform. But can I also tell you that it's time to get out of your bubble because you are in fact, you have the anointing on your life. You've been equipped to be a herald, to be a messenger, to stand up with authority and talk about the one who has set you free. I just want to tell you, Passion Church, we've been bubbled for way too long. Some of y'all waiting on the pastoral team to get everybody saved. I'm waiting on you. Well, some of y'all waiting on the pastors to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. We're waiting on you. You got people in your life that I will never get to speak to. You got people in your life that I will never get to share the good news. But if you would ever just get out of your little bubble, you would discover that you've been anointed to do what Peter did. God uses an unlikely man that has anger issues to bust through the bubble of obedience and fear and the product is revival. We keep saying that word. Have y'all noticed? We keep saying we want revival. We even sung about it this morning. We want revival. We want revival. We want revival. Our problem is, is we've bubbled revival to take place right here and I think that we all we will ever see right here is the product of revival and revival is produced when people love Jesus so much and are, and are obedient him to the degree that they will get out of their bubble and tell people the good news of Jesus and as people get saved and healed and delivered and set free and families are restored and marriages are restored and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and co-workers and friends start streaming in then we have revival. Are you willing to fight your way out? That's the question. Father, I pray this morning that in Jesus' name you would reveal to us our own need, our own desperate need, our own desperate need to bust out of our bubble. I pray that we would have a come to Jesus moment right now. I pray that we would recognize right now that we are bubbled. I pray that you would shake us and stir us just a little bit. Let me recognize that I can't even find the names of 10 people to write down on my movers card when I should be able to fill out three of them. I can't even write down five people that I have influence over that I could invite to come and see a Christmas presentation 
presentation, an Easter presentation, a game day. God, I pray in Jesus' name, wake me up. Wake me up. I'm living in a bubble. I'm living surrounded by people that talk like me, act like me, look like me, believe exactly what I believe. I'm scared of everybody else. I'm scared of sinners acting like sinners. I'm scared. I'm so scared. I'm living in such fear that I'm afraid their sin will rub off on me before you can rub off on them. I I, I, I didn't even know it, but I've come to the conclusion that, that if I'm not careful... And I put myself in, in, in a place where there are people that don't know you. What they believe will be stronger than what I believe. And I'm asking you that as I come to this recognition that I've been living in a bubble, I pray that now my life would be so full of obedience that when I hear this call to come out, together and then go, together and then go. I, if I go and I don't gather, I won't be strong enough. And if I just gather but I don't go, then I've got all this unused power. Let me complete the equation. Let me gather and get strong. Gather and get peace. Gather and find joy. Gather and get healed. Gather and get boldness. Gather and get what to say. Gather and get everything I need. Then let me obey and go. And I ask you to help us to fight out of our bubbles this morning to share the news, not as preachers, as heralds, as messengers, as people who have authority to tell what Jesus has done in us. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. The bubble-breaking name of Jesus. And I recognize that we're safe in here. But I'm asking you to help us to quit playing it so safe. Deal with our prejudice, our fear, our anger, our hate. And enable us to go places other people are scared to go to deal with other people that that other people are afraid to talk to. And may we have so much Jesus in us that we rub off on them. May we answer the prayer of someone who is in desperation. We ask you to help us to do this. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray once more because of some steps I've taken and I'm praying that you allow other folks in this room to take as we talk about this next week. I pray over my movers again. I've got more than 10 now that I can name, name by name. I can fill the card up. and My heart is broken for them. May I represent you so well in the environment, in their environment, in their safe place. May I represent you so well and so consistently. May I reflect so much hope, so much joy that they want what I have, that they desperately want what I have. I ask you to do this for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. 
Remember, you can't live without passion.